2 Timothy 3, and we'll read the entire <clears throat> chapter and uh, focus on the last uh, three, three verses of it, four verses of it. <clears throat> so 2 Timothy 3, 1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who, will, who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work." And so the, the dominant theme in the verses we're looking at, verses 14 to the end of the chapter, is to continue in the truth, uh, to continue, go on in the, the gospel, remain in the gospel, continue on in that. And the setting is, with all that description of the evil men earlier, uh, is specifically verse 13, that evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So that's what's going to happen to uh, the false teachers, uh, uh, false believers, counterfeit believers, uh, evil people, they're imposters, and they'll go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So there's the setting, the context in which this exhortation of Paul to Timothy is going to come. You have that backdrop of what you have to be alert to and warned about, but now the exhortation that's going to come to Timothy there in the beginning of verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So Paul's exhortation to Timothy here, in contrast to these men who are going to wander away and who are going to turn aside from the truth, you continue in the truth. We uh, have to be committed to the truth, not as a passing fad, 
not as a fair weather Christian, so to speak, but committed uh, very um, determinedly to the the truth that God's given to us in his word. Uh, Paul would say it a little differently in Ephesians 4. He'll say, let we need to not be like children blown here and there by every wind of doctrine. We don't need to go down the road of the latest thing. We need to hold fast to the word that's been given to us. And the foundation and uh, the means of how we continue is what he's talking about in these verses. So he's going to tell Timothy to continue because of those from whom he learned the truth. That's important. Uh, The second thing is uh, he's to continue in, in the truth in the gospel because he's had the truth since he was an infant. And then the last thing is he's to continue in the truth because of what the word is. And he's going to talk to us, gives that classic passage on the inspiration of the scriptures. So the first thing that he develops there in verse 14 is to continue. And he describes it in two ways, in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So Timothy, and Paul's going to reflect on how he learned all this. uh, He learned the truth. Uh, He was discipled in the truth. Uh, his spiritual life, God gave him life in his heart, but he learned the doctrines of the Bible and the teachings of the Bible. He learned those things and he became convinced of it. So in other words, it wasn't just information that he had in his head, but he was totally committed to it. He was completely convinced of it. A word describing this kind of Uh, 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 embracing uh, he's standing in the truth so it's become a part of his life a firm commitment Uh, it's not just something he dabbled in it's something that's become a part of his very being but Paul goes on to say you need to continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and there's some important things here for us to kind of reflect on and think about Who had he learned this from? He had learned it from his mother, Lois. He had learned it from his grandmother, Eunice. And he had learned it from uh, the one who was a a friend and a father figure in the faith, the Apostle Paul. And those three people taught him the scriptures uh, from his earliest days and um, when, so when, when, as Timothy, as he's growing as a young man, young boy and young man, he's learning the truth, which would have been the Old Testament. And Lois and Eunice would have laid down the truth of the scriptures into his life. And then when Paul came into their town, preaching the gospel from the Old Testament, declaring that they reveal the Lord Jesus Christ, God powerfully worked through his spirit in the heart of Timothy and he saw that both from his grandmother and his mother and now from Paul he saw the 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 example the living out of the truth and he saw the um, he heard the gospel uh, from those people and doctrine and life wedded together is a powerful thing 
Uh, Paul had already put these two things together. Look back at 1 Timothy 4.16. Here, directing how Timothy was to live this out. But in 1 Timothy 4.16, he says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. You will have a saving impact on people around you if you watch yourself, that's the way you live, and your teaching. So those two things need to be a part of your life. Uh, Faithful, biblical truth and doctrine needs to be part of uh, your life and living that out. And those two qualities are a powerful combination impacting, uh, Lord willing, yourself, but others. Uh, and from the lips of his mother and his grandmother and Paul, Paul heard, uh, Timothy heard the doctrines and he saw the life and God powerfully worked in his heart. And I suppose I'm speaking primarily to the children and the young people. Uh, but all of us really, you need to remember those from whom you learned the truth. Your parents, your grandparents, uh, teachers, pastors, elders, uh, older friends, and observe the impact of their life. Were they perfect? No, none of them were perfect be nice to think we were perfect parents, but we're not perfect parents. We're not perfect leaders in the church. We have many frailties, but you need to think about those from whom you learn the truth and the powerful testimony and witness of their life, frail as it is. And it needs to have a continuing impact on your life. Uh, You need to pay attention to it. Learn from their failings, but listen to what they have to say and grow in that. So the first thing Paul tells Timothy is continue in the truth which you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And then verse 15 Uh, He he begins what I'm having as a second point, continuing the the truth in the gospel because you've had the scriptures uh, since uh, infancy. Uh, The ESV translates it in verse 15 and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the holy scriptures. There are two words commonly used for children or little ones. There are, there is the word paideia, which uh, could be a toddler, could be a student, could be a little older, sometimes used of uh, adults as, they're, as they are learners, students. But then there's another word, brephos, which is exclusively uh, for infants. Now, I don't know why the ESV made the choice that they did, but this is brephos, like um, Corinne. We would not call her a paideia. One day she will be, but we would not call her that. That would be inappropriate. We're going to call her a brephos because she's an infant. 
And so Paul's talking to Timothy and what he's trying to remind him of is how from infancy he's been acquainted with the sacred writings, the holy scriptures. Uh, He had been given them by his mother and grandmother. They had trained him in that word. So from his youngest days, the teaching of scripture was a part of his life. That's a great inheritance. It's a great gift, great blessing to have that be a part of uh, of his life from his very earliest day to days. Sometimes we think of our little ones as, well, they're too young to understand. They're too young to get it. And that's really a mistake. It's a mistaken a- attitude. It's a mistaken idea. They get a whole lot more than we think they're getting. Uh, even when we think they're not paying attention, they're paying attention. Uh, I remember our friend Mark Wheat. He told me about a time when his son, Evan, was very little. And he was reading a Bible story to him. Uh, might have been Sodom and Gomorrah. It was someone that was going to be judged. And, and the, the passage was talking about how God was going to pour out his judgment on him. And, and he thought Evan wasn't paying any attention. And so he just stopped reading. And Evan says, well, did he? Did he what? Did he get him? He, he had been paying attention, even though he looked like he was totally distracted. And you and I have to appreciate that our, our little ones, uh, even when they can't communicate, are gaining a lot by hearing the word, uh, by having it part of their, their life. And, and Timothy had this heritage that he knew from infancy, the Holy Scriptures. It's kind of a reminder of our covenantal connection and obligation to to pass on the word from generation to generation and to lay that down for them. Uh, There, in the the course of time, in that culture, uh, as as Timothy got older, they might have uh, sent him to the... um, uh, to the... um, tabernacle or not the tabernacle to the um the jewish gathering place and you're laughing what what am i what word am i forgetting the synagogue thank you so i need you to help me preach <laughs> so it's it, when he when he got a little older you know and the, the, a youth kind of our school age they might send him to the synagogue to be taught officially by one of the rabbis and then as he got a little older, that would be advanced. So there, it's not saying that they might have not have sent him to one of those places to be educated further. But it began in the home, and they taught him the word of God. And then in this section, Paul continues, you've known the scriptures, the Holy Scriptures from infancy, which are able to make you wise for salvation. The sacred writings of the Holy Scripture is able to make us wise for salvation. It's the tool, it's the means that God uses to bring us to faith, uh, to help us to grow in faith, and uh, to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the scriptures are the, the tool, the means that God uses to bring us to salvation, and that, that salvation is, is received through faith in Jesus Christ. 
And I think this brings up an important element of the unity of the scriptures and the Christ-centered nature of the scriptures. The focus of training Timothy by his mother and grandmother and Paul uh, or and, and other teachers was primarily the Old Testament. And when Paul came to preach and he preached Christ out of the Old Testament, uh, it all made perfect sense. Uh, because the Old Testament is not just a collection of stories about Israelites. It's about God's uh, plan of redemption that he is carrying out. And Christ is revealed throughout the Old Testament. And when Paul preached, uh, it became clear um, that all that he had been learning was clearly pointing to Christ. Now, some people might not um, totally get in tune with me on this, but let's look at a couple different scriptures. Turn first to John five thirty nine to 40. <clears throat> Jesus in um, this interaction with the Pharisees. So John chapter 5, verse 39. Speaking to them, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So here Jesus himself is telling us, the Old Testament was speaking about him. The Old Testament is Christ-centered. Uh, it's focusing, pointing ahead to the coming Messiah who Jesus was. Turn then to Luke 24. Luke 24. At first, turn to verse... Um, 25. Here he's meeting with the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus the day that Christ rose again. And they were downhearted and Jesus asked them why were they downhearted and they explained about Jesus and they made the comment that we thought that he was the one uh, who would be the Messiah. And Jesus responds to them. And says in verse 25, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So what a marvelous sermon that would have been. Kind of wish you could have been there to hear that. Out of the lips of Christ himself, preaching the Old Testament to us is amazing. But the Old Testament talked about him, pointed to him. And then that evening, and so we skip down to verse 44. That evening, he appears to his disciples and confirms that he's alive. He eats something with them. And then in verse 44, he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets 
and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So the, and the division the ex, uh, that he gives here, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, that was the typical Jewish uh, division in the Old Testament. You had the law of Moses, the Pentateuch. You had the prophets, which would have been the books we consider historical books. And the, the prophetic writings that were typical, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those. That was part of the prophetic section. And then the third section was the writings. Here it's given under the title, the Psalms, because that was the largest book in the writings. The writings were uh, other kinds of books. It included even Chronicles, because Chronicles was written by, uh, was a priestly kind of book. Uh, But when he says the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, He's saying every part of the Old Testament is speaking about me. And he opened their minds to understand that. So when Timothy, so we come back to 2 Timothy. So when Paul says that you've known the Holy Scriptures from infancy, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, it was all coming together for Timothy and for the Jewish believers in the the first century. They began to see the whole Bible is Christ-centered. Uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, obviously, is focused on Christ. And that's how he became wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Well, then we come to the last portion, which is his exhortation. Continue in the gospel and in the truth because of what the scripture is. Its very nature calls on us to be committed to us. It's a description of the the nature and the sufficiency of the Bible in verses 16 and 17. Uh, It begins with uh, the statement of the inspiration. All scripture is breathed out by God. And um, uh, some of the resources I was reading was talking about this issue. There's, uh, uh, There's no verb in that section all scripture uh, all scripture breathed out uh, by God and some of the question is where do we put the verb in and I was trying to think of this illustration so I am going to call on you to help me in the impeachment trial of Bill Clinton some of the older ones I mean, wasn't there a uh, a phrase what uh, is is the meaning of the word is, is. So to be much more serious and um, not insensible than that kind of a line of argument, where do we put the is in this? And uh, there's, there's uh, two, two thoughts. One is where it is in most every translation, all scripture is given by inspiration of God or is God breathed and is profitable. So we put it, all scripture is, uh, and it's a valid grammatical thing to put it in there. 
Um, the other way of, is to put it after that, every scripture inspired of God is also profitable. And uh, some translations do it that way. And uh, some people would misuse that particular way of doing it. But we probably are okay to go with what is kind of common. And that is to see it as saying all scripture is God breathed. So all scripture, what would that include? Well, of course, it would include the Old Testament. But by the time Paul wrote this, because this is, remember, late in his life, most, if not all, of the New Testament had been written. Much of it circulated. In fact, uh, Peter makes reference to Paul's letters. In 2 Peter 3, he says, in Paul's letters, Paul's letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures. So Peter understood Paul's writings to be scripture, inspired by God. So by the time Paul is writing this to Timothy, saying all scripture, he probably does have in mind certainly the Old Testament, but probably all the New Testament writings that had been commonly circulated we, might, we would say apostolic writings. Uh, and Paul himself in his own writings insisted that his writings be read, be exchanged and shared with other churches, be obeyed. He said they were words taught by the Spirit. Uh, he says, um, so when he's saying all scripture is God breathed, he would be including his own writings and all apostolic writings. And the phrase God breathe is a reminder of the divine authenticity of the scripture and the authority of the Bible. Why is the Bible our authority? Why should we continue in it? Because it was given to us by God. Yes, he used men in the writing of it with personalities and with characteristics, but it, it's breathed out by God. When you speak, you breathe out and words come from you. And it's the same thing regarding the Bible. Uh, God breathes out his truth and it's his word. Uh, in Peter, he, Second Peter, he says, we know first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that God dictated it, though portions of it were dictated. Uh, It means that God, by his sovereign power, enabled these men to communicate his truth, what he wanted said, even though done with their own uh, vocabulary and personality. And this foundational character of God's word is what makes us need to hold fast to it, to continue in it, because it's the word of God. We can read other things that could be profitable in one frame or one form or another, but this is the word of God. It's what should guide and direct our lives. Continue in the scriptures because of what it is. It's God's word and it's useful or profitable Uh, It's beneficial for you. 
All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. And he gives four things it's profitable for. The first is for teaching. Uh, Some translations for doctrine. Uh, Some people don't like the word doctrine. Doctrine is a very good word. It communicates. uh, It's a word that describes the teaching of the Bible on any particular topic. On any particular part of the information. We need to not be embarrassed by the word doctrine. Yes, doctrine can divide. But uh, that's not a bad thing if if we're focused on the truth. Uh, So it's profitable for teaching. It's for profitable for rebuke or reproof. In other words, it points out our wrongdoing or our wrong understanding. It reproves us for those things. For correcting. So once it's reproved us and identified where we're wrong, then it helps put us back to being right. It comes from the word to, to straighten out something. The New Living Translation translates that word. It straightens us out. The Bible straightens us out. It knocks us down. It straightens us out. And then the fourth thing is for training in righteousness. There is the word for, there's the word paideia. We're all paideia. We're all learners. We're all students. I don't care what age you are, you're, we're all students. And we're to learn the path of righteousness. Uh, we're, we're guided by the training of God's word uh, to live the life of righteousness. I had a seminary professor, his name was Jack Scott, really wonderful man. Um, not sure if he's still alive or not, but I, he had a, a neat way of, of teaching these four things. Um, he said, uh, there's teaching that puts us on the right path. And then there's reproof that knocks us down because we're wandering the wrong way. And then correction stands us back up. And then training sends us forward in righteousness. And that's the word of God. It teaches us the way knocks us down when we have to be, puts us back up and sends us on our way. And that's the profit of the word of God for you and for me, uh, that we gain from that. And then he says in verse 17, so that the man of God may be complete or perfect, equipped for every good work. Now, man of God may be in this context primarily or first directed specifically to Timothy as a minister of God, but the principle here would have have application to all believers. The word of God is profitable in those four ways, and it's profitable in those four ways so that we might be complete, perfect. That sinless perfection? No. It means that it's like a joint fitting into a socket uh, we we're fit together. We are uh, every everything's in in place to where it needs to be to make us perfect or complete. Equipped. Uh, older translations thoroughly furnished. It's like a ship. It's, it's it's a word used of a ship going out to sea, and before it goes out into sea, what do they do? They stock it with all the goods that they're going to need for the journey. 
And the Bible does that for us. The Bible uh, fits, helps us to fit, and it helps to equip us, furnish us with what we need for the journey uh, in living the godly life. Uh, And it equips us for every good work. God has ordained that you and I are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God had ordained for us to do. The Bible equips us for those good works that God intends for you and I to carry out. And so the exhortation of Paul to Timothy is continue in the truth. Not like the the false teachers who are going to wander off, but continue in the truth, remembering those from whom you learned it, remembering that you've had the scriptures from your youngest days, and remembering what the Bible is. It's the word of God that is profitable for you and will complete you and equip you. May you and I follow Paul's exhortation and continue on the path of truth. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this clear reminder of the authority and sufficiency of your word. We need it. Uh, We need it to um, show us the path of salvation, uh, to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ. We need it to be profitable in our lives, uh, to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, to train us in righteousness. We need it to make us complete and equip us for every good work. Help us to continue on the path of the truth in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.